Hello there, I'm Pastor John. Thank you for joining us today. There are a lot of ways to engage here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene, but we truly do thank you for listening here. If you haven't heard, we're also on Spotify now with the same great content. For more information about our church, you can check us out on the web at abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook. We're live each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. And you can find us on Instagram as well. If you're new here and may not know who I am, um, I'm Pastor Billy, and I'm privileged to serve on staff here at HFCN. I made a note in the first service, and I'll make it this one as well. Uh, If you catch me yawning in the sermon, it's not because I'm bored. It's because I have a six-week-old. And so I, I was yawning during some of the worship songs, and I thought, I hope I don't do that in the middle of the sermon. So just thank you for your forgiveness in advance if that happens. But yeah, I'm grateful for the honor to bring the word this morning in Pastor Adrian's absence. Um, Pastor Adrian is on vacation with his family, so Pastor Adrian, if you're listening, we love you. We hope you have precious time away with your family this week. So today, we find ourselves in the third week of a series that we've titled, Go. The title of the series is Go. And so we've been looking at, over the last couple of weeks, this idea of the call, the commission, the charge of Jesus to his early followers that we see in the scripture. Um, specifically, we've been looking through the book of Acts, kind of the birth of the church, the birth of the new covenant people of God. And so we've been looking at this idea of Jesus' call to go. And the first week, Pastor Adrian, we looked at this call to go and, and recognized that it often requires waiting. Now, for some of us in the room, when you hear the word go, you're ready to get after it. You're amped up. You're fired up. You're like, let's do this thing. And if someone says, but not yet, you're kind of just pulling the, what? What's going on? Some of you hear the word go, and you're like, ah, I think I hear my kids calling me. I'm sorry, not right now. You know what I'm saying? We have different personalities, but what we looked at and found is that this call to go often requires waiting waiting on God's timing, waiting on God's direction, waiting on God's power. And then last week we looked at the idea of go, go requiring the idea of surrender, that somehow in this call to go that there is a place where we must come to of surrender before the Lord so that we can walk obediently in all of those things which he has for us as we go throughout our days. And so that brings us to the third part of our series this morning, Go, the Expectation. The Expectation. What are God's expectations? What are the expectations that Jesus had of his followers when he sent them out to go as they were going? What does he expect of us as his followers in 2019? What are his expectations of us? Would you pray with me this morning before we get into the word? Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, um, we thank you for your word and how you will lead us and guide us and direct us this morning. God, I pray that you would give us each ears to hear what your spirit speaks and a heart to obey. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so as I prepared for this week and I was looking at the title of the series, Go, I thought, the most scholarly thing to do would be to go to Google and look up the definition of go, right? Sounds scholarly. So this is what I found. Go, that's the first definition, move from one place to another, travel. The definition of go, type it in Google, 
move from one place to another, travel. For some synonyms for go, proceed, make one's way, advance, progress, pass, walk, win one's way, travel, journey, go, move from one place to another. We're all doing that all the time, are we not? Moving from one place to another, traveling about. And so as we look at this concept and the expectation that God has for his people, I want to start at the beginning of the book of Acts. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It's going to be on the screen behind me. Follow along in your copy of God's Word or on the Version app. Um, it's going to be there in the notes. But that's where we're going to start this morning. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. And it says this. After his suffering, it's referring to Jesus. So at this point, we find ourselves, Jesus has lived his life. Um, he's given us an example. He's died, he's been buried, and he's rose again. And he's meeting with his disciples. And we pick up here. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was indeed alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And then we get Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses everywhere. And I want to pause for a moment and briefly explain this idea of the Holy Spirit because it's important for our understanding of the book of Acts and the early church and for what God calls us to. And so if you're newer to church, this idea of a Holy Spirit, this may be unfamiliar to you, but what we believe as the church universal is that we serve a triune God that God's nature is one, but he exists in three distinct persons. And that is God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when we reference the Holy Spirit, we are indeed referencing the Spirit of God. And we must know that, we must, we must understand that, because the Holy Spirit is the one that carries the story of the early church in the book of Acts. It's often referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus' early followers, but it could be referred to as the acts of the Holy Spirit. So now that we have that understanding in place, let's look at one specific figure, one specific person responding obediently to the Lord's call to witness as he went. And we're going to find uh, part of his story here in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. But leading up, right before this happens, right before where we're going to start um, here in just a moment, there's a young man named Stephen who's martyred. He's killed for his faith in Jesus Christ, and you're going to hear more about him next week. But that happens, and then it says that great persecution broke out against the church. These religious leaders did not like this message of Jesus Christ. And so we pick up here in Acts 8, starting in verse 4. 
It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And what I want to note here is that this isn't referring to the apostles. This isn't Jesus' 12 disciples who were with him for three years, who had the tight-knit relationship. These, these were the followers who had come into the way, who had heard the message that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and they had come into believing faith in Jesus Christ. And it says when persecution hit, they scattered and they preached the word wherever they went. And so we get the reference to a guy named Philip here. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Well, first off, who's Philip? What qualifies this Philip guy um, to go like this, uh, to be a witness as he went? What qualified Philip? Who was he? If we turn a few chapters back into Acts chapter 6, is, is the first five verses, if we go back there, we'll see that the church is growing, right? And so Jesus is gone, and the church is growing in number, and um, there's a complaint rise up. There's a complaint rise up, and the Hellenistic Jews are saying, hey, our women are getting overlooked in the daily distribution of food to the Hebraic Jews, and something needs to happen. This ain't right. And well, the apostles, the, the, the apostles they say, listen, we, we cannot take away our time from ministering to the word of God to wait on tables. I mean, literally, their translation is, we have to do the important work of ministering to the word. We can't be table waiters. They said, but we got, a good, we got an idea. Here's what we'll do. Find seven men who are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. Find seven men who are, who are known to have wisdom, they're wise, and they're full of God's Holy Spirit. That's the qualification. And one of those men happened to be this man named Philip. His qualification, he's full of the Spirit of God. Who else was recognized by the Spirit of God? And then if we turn back a few more chapters in Acts, to Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we find ourselves in the middle of this controversy. Peter and John, two of the apostles of Jesus, they've just healed a man who was lame. They've healed him. He's up walking, and the religious leaders are furious because they did it in the name of Jesus. And so Peter and John stand before the Pharisees, these Jewish rulers, and they're preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. And in verse 13, in verse 13, it says that, that the Pharisees, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, when they saw the boldness of these men, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, ordinary guys. But... They'd been with Jesus. So who's qualified? What qualified them? What qualified Philip? He was full of God's Holy Spirit. Peter and John, unschooled, ordinary, ragtag men. But they had been with Jesus. Who's qualified? It's those who have been with Jesus. Those who've been changed by the power of God's Holy Spirit and brought into the kingdom of God. If that's you this morning, if you've been with Jesus, if your life's been changed by the power of God's Holy Spirit, then you're qualified and you're called to witness as you go. Ordinary, unschooled, schooled, rich, poor, man, woman, young, old. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, 
follower of Jesus Christ, you're qualified and you're called. Commission to go. That is the expectation. Oswald Chambers referred to discipleship, this idea of being a disciple. He referred to discipleship in this way. Discipleship means personal, passionate devotion to a person, our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a vast difference between devotion to a person and devotion to principles or to a cause. There is a vast difference between devotion to a person and devotion to principles or to a cause. Philip, Peter, John, these people we see in the book of Acts, they were not devoted to some great cause or some set um, nice principles that were in place. They were devoted to a person, and that person was Jesus Christ. But before we continue with our story of Philip, I want to I make sure we understand this concept of going. Right? Because we got the definition to start that go means to travel from one place to another. And unless you're planning on staying here all night, you're going to be going today. You're going to be going maybe multiple places. And so I want to make sure we understand this concept of going before we get back into Philip's story. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 through 20. And it's going to be on the screen behind me. If you've been a part or if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've probably heard this passage referenced as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. And this account that we get here in Matthew is this gospel writer's account essentially of what happens in Acts 1-8 that we read at the beginning. You will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is, this is a similar account. Jesus has resurrected and he told his disciples... Go meet me on the mountain. And he meets them there. And this, this is what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And some of you may say, I've heard this, Pastor Billy. We've heard this read in church. I've read it in my Bible. But I want to, I want to focus in on five words here, just for a minute. Therefore, go and make disciples. You see, the New Testament was originally written down in Greek. And sometimes um, the Greek uh, vernacular, the Greek vocabulary doesn't translate properly into English. And so in the original Greek language, this word go is a passive participle. It's a passive participle. And if you know what the word passive means, this will make more sense. So the rendering here, therefore go, would better be translated, therefore as you go, when you go, as you're going along your way. The expectation of Jesus to his disciples was not whether they were going to go or not. The expectation was that they were going. They were traveling somewhere, whether it be through Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or to the ends of the earth, they were going somewhere. And so he says, therefore, as you go, along your way, as you're going each and every day, make disciples. But another thing um, in the Greek, this verb here of make disciples is an imperative. It's an imperative, and, and those imperatives don't 
translate quite well into English. So the better translation for us here today is, therefore, as you go, it is imperative that you make disciples. You see, the expectation wasn't that they go. The expectation was that they were going to go. But it was imperative that they make disciples, that they witness as they went each and every day. Because what we see happening here in Matthew 28 and in Acts 1-8, this charge, this commission of Jesus to his followers to go as they went, as they go, this charge here and the one in Acts 1-8 about you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses, we see that literally lived out in the book of Acts. That's why we're going through the book of Acts for this series because it's literally, this call is literally lived out But what we want you to see here is that this points that something has changed. This right here, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is culture-shattering stuff. And you say, what do you mean? This being lived out in the book of Acts shows that the missio Dei, the mission of God, has now changed. The mission of God has now changed. It is no longer centripetal, but centrifugal. There you go. And I'll explain what that means because I didn't know either until I looked up the definition. The people of God are now called from centripetal living to centrifugal living. And centripetal is this idea of being drawn into a center, right? So centrifugal is being sent out from a center. But the people of God in the Old Testament, they were established. God blessed the people of Israel. He gave them a, a land, a holy land, the place of Jerusalem, and they were to be a blessing to the nations. They were to draw the nations up into themselves. People were to come to worship in the, at the sanctuary, at the tabernacle. They were to bless the nations by drawing them in to the presence of God. Centripetal. That was the mission of God for his people. But Jesus is saying something different here. He's saying that something's changed. Something's changed. The temple, the tabernacle, that's no longer the center. You see, I'm the center now. And now that you've been drawn into me, now that you've been drawn into me, I send you out. Centrifugal living. No longer are you called to draw people in, but you, are, you point them to me and then I... I will send them out. So, the people of God, rather than bringing the nations up to Jerusalem, went out from Jerusalem. And they went from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so now we pick back up in our story of Philip. We find this in Acts chapter 8 starting in verse 26. You see, we read earlier that Philip went to Samaria. The Spirit of God didn't say, we don't get any recollection of the Spirit of God saying, Philip, you go to Samaria. Uh, No, it says that that's where Philip went, and as he went, he spread and witnessed to the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't witness to a set of principles or a good cause, or he witnessed to the person of Jesus Christ wherever he went. As he went. He was a witness. And so today, when we leave this place, I'm not saying that the Spirit of God is not going to tell you specifically where to go, because we're about to see that happen in the story of Philip, but as you go, will you be his witness? Now, he may specifically tell you when you're sitting here, hey, after service, Cracker Barrel it is. 
text Pastor Billy and invite him. <laughs> but I'm not saying that's going to happen. So we pick up in Acts 8, the angel of the Lord is speaking to Philip directly now. You see, all this good stuff's happening. People are coming. They're confessing in the name of Jesus. And great things are happening around Philip. He's having success. He's leading people to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord says to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. We get no further instructions. The angel of the Lord just says, Philip, I want you to go to this desert road now. We don't see Philip saying, but look at what's going on here. Uh, are you sure about that? We, we simply see him obey. And then the next thing we get is, so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kadanka, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Do you see what's happening here? This man, hundreds of miles away, days traveling, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Centripetal. The people of God were to draw all the nations in. So this man, all he knew was to worship the one true God, Yahweh, I must go up to Jerusalem. I must go up. And he's returning home from Jerusalem. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, the Holy Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. We're getting some weird stuff here. I mean, go to this desert road. Go next to that chariot, right? It, the details aren't included. It's just, hey, Philip, will you be obedient? I know you're a, I know you're a table waiter, but will you be obedient to what I'm asking you to do? And so we're not going to read the rest of the story, but I'll summarize for you. Uh, Philip goes over to the chariot, and he hears the eunuch reading the word of God. And it's not like Philip went over to the chariot and said, Hey, you got a minute? Stop this chariot. Let me give you the three reasons why you should follow Jesus Christ. I have, I, you know what I'm saying? He didn't go interrupt the guy. He was obedient, and God opened up an opportunity so Philip gets up next to the chariot, and the guy's reading, and Philip says, hey, do you, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I understand it if someone doesn't explain it to me? And Philip says, okay, I can do that. Stops the chariot, invites Philip in, and it says that he explains to the eunuch, starting in that passage in Isaiah about the suffering servant, he starts there and uses the word of God and tells the man the good news of Jesus Christ tells him of the good news of the person of Jesus Christ. And a few moments later, the eunuch says, here's some water. What should keep me from being baptized now? And the men jump out of the carriage. They hop down in the water. He dunks him. They come up out of the water. It says that the Holy Spirit snatches Philip away. The eunuch sees him no more. But it says that he goes on his way rejoicing. Goes on his way rejoicing because of Philip's obedience this man has just had an encounter. He's had an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. He's had his life transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And now he too, as he goes on his way, right? He's returning home from Jerusalem. He will be a witness along the way. And once he arrives home, you can imagine 
the story he would have to share. And so we pick up our story of Philip in Acts chapter 8. We pick up the story in Acts 8, verse 40. It says, Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip appears in one town, and it says, as he traveled about, right? We said the definition of go was to go from move from one place to another to travel. So as Philip moved from one place to another, as he traveled, as he went, he witnessed, he preached the gospel. Do you know what the first two letters of the gospel is? It's go. As he went, he preached the gospel. He witnessed to the person of Jesus because he had had his life transformed. Have any of you had your life transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit? So what does this mean, Pastor Billy? What does this mean for the church today? What does this mean for us in 2019? What is the expectation? The expectation of the call and commission of Jesus to his followers to go is not one of extra credit. And if you're a believer of Jesus, it's not optional. It is to be embodied by all who are part of God's kingdom. But let me ask you a heart a heart-searching question this morning. Is it possible that there are some of us here who come to church on Sunday and we check off our Jesus box, but Monday through Saturday we neglect to live missionally, neglect to live intentionally as you're going throughout the rest of your week. We neglect to live kingdom-focused. The embodiment, the embodiment of God's mission that we see the early believers living out in the book of Acts is our example. It's our standard of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be. It's our example of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ obediently responding to God's Spirit and living missional as they go from one place to another each and every day. Because you see, just as Jesus commissioned his early followers, we as the people of God today, we're called to centrifugal living. We've been brought to the center. We've been brought to the center in, in the person of Jesus Christ, and now Jesus sends us out to witness along the way. Listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. I am for the local church, and we must gather as the body of Christ to be instructed, to worship together, to encourage one another, pray, to take part in Holy Communion, to celebrate baptism, to grow in discipleship, and to serve one another. But, and I believe I speak for Pastor Adrian's heart because I know it's the heart of God, but ultimately, when we leave this place each week, we are being sent out, not by Pastor Adrian, not by Pastor Joe or Billy or whoever, we are being sent out from this place by the Spirit of God and in His power, we are being sent out to witness to the world as we go from one place to another. One author writes it this way, mission is about God's will being fully realized and God graciously invites us to actively participate in this realization. Mission is about God's will being fully realized as Pastor Joe and Krista come and we prepare to close this morning. 
my question, my question to you this morning is who is it that is on the other side? Who is it, as we've seen in the story of Philip, who is it that's on the other side of your obedience to live on mission as you go from here to there and everywhere to the ends of the earth each and every day? Who is it that's on the other side of your obedience to live intentionally each and every day as you go from place to place? Because we are called as the church to witness to the world of his amazing love and grace, pointing others not to a good cause, not to some sound principles, but to the person of Jesus Christ. And you know what the exciting thing is? As the Lord promised his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, he will surely be with us even to the end of the age. And that, that should make us courageous and very, very bold. Thanks again for listening here today. If you enjoyed it and want to engage more, you can subscribe to this podcast through our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Or if you're a Spotify user like me, you can search for us there and subscribe directly there as well. If you happen to be anywhere in the Shenandoah Valley here in Virginia, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road, Rockingham, Virginia. We meet each Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and then again at 11.45 a.m. in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. Thanks again, and we look forward to meeting you soon.